You are listening to High Shelf Gaming. This is a show where we talk about board games and role-playing games and gaming conventions. If this is what you're looking for, please keep listening. You can always find us on our website, Facebook group, Facebook page. We're on Twitter and Twitch and Discord, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to join the community, and we look forward to meeting you. Hey everyone, this is David Gillespie, and as always, I am joined by the industrious Rich Wisniewski. You know, Dave, what was really industrious is at the beginning of our podcast adventure, I would always make you redo the intro. It's true. I was I awful like, at it. <laughs> I would be like, no, that wasn't good, dude. Start over. Well, half the time, I just did it to make you do it over again. See, I kind of want because <laughs> I would listen to it later. It's like, what was wrong with take one? I would just mess with you and you would record it again. And yes, you just did a great, great kickoff. So um, hopefully I was industrious enough to help you make great intros. Industrious is great, you know, because I feel like I'm, I'm really productive and I, and I do things. And I think that even today's episode is seeping into your brain pan and you're talking about being industrious, like industry. Like, I think you're right. You know, kids losing their fingers, snatching coal <laughs> out of rocks on conveyor belts in the 20s. You know what That's I mean? Right. You, That's you're right. thinking of this industrial revolution that is no longer an industrial revolution. It is a what revolution? I would call it a digital maker revolution, Ooh. where it's a lot of individuals making what they need when they need it. You know, it's had a really big impact. And uh, we're, we're dancing around the two two letters. Well, yeah. the numeric and the le- the numeric and the character that kind of make up this revolution we're talking about. You know what? This all, I think, comes back to you and I are giant fans of Star Trek. And in Star Trek, they have the replicator. Ooh, which can make thing. anything you need. And you just go to the machine and you say, replicator, get me... Whatever it is. Earl Grey tea. Done. Done. There it is. And I think that we are now at a place where 3D printing. 3D. Three-dimensional printing. 3D. Trace D is is ready. I have been doing 3D printing for almost a year now. And it has been an eye-opening experience. I've gotten other friends into 3D printing and some friends that I've met along the way. I hope to have on the show talking about their stuff. But dude, 3D printing is kind of blowing my mind when it comes to its application in gaming. Do you know what I'm bitter about? Hmm. I am never going to 3D print. And you know why? Because I kickstarted Tyco, one of the largest failing Kickstarters ever. (gasps) I was a sucker. Not only did I give them my Kickstarter money, then they said, oh, oh, we need shipping. And I, and I, I bought all in, man. Oh, I gave no. them like another 60 bucks or something no. for shipping. And dude, never got a Tyco printer. Dude. Maybe I'm kind of glad because the Tyco printers that showed up to the first run, people were losing their effing minds because Yeet. it was so uncalibrated and digging yeah. into the bed. Yeah. And, and, and I just got so burned on that that I just... I'm got it's it's almost up there with Patrick Waffelsberger or Patrick <laughs> the guy with name of the wind books that's yes. pissing me off. So okay, all right. 3D printing is not without its trappings and not without its failings. Like 
Tyco is a prime example. There's a number of hopeful startups that got funding or products that started off looking really good, but clearly didn't go the distance. So yeah, buyer beware, man. Uh, this is uh, the uh, wild west of a new industry that is in the prosumer space. I wouldn't, I would not quite call it consumer. Oh, uh, what do you think about the the maker boxes? The the like the original guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even are they that, uh, to be consumer level or no? Is well, there still you need to have some talent? Here's like, the thing. Grandma's not yeah. going to be kicking out a comb. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I bought the probably one of the easiest to use printers out there. Self-leveling bed. It heats itself. It's got this thing that makes it super easy to get the print off, off the bed and all that good stuff. Like, yes, there are lots of great printers that are easier and easier to use. Getting closer and closer to that consumer, I just want to plug it in and use it. But even that, I had to sit down and do some experimentation. And by the way, this is not a sponsored episode, even though we're not against shilling for people. So if anybody <laughs> knows someone that needs to be sponsored, just send them our way. I will sell anything. So um, do you feel good releasing the name of the 3D printer that you purchased? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I picked up the Prusa Mark III. Uh, Prusa is the name of the creator, and it is like the standard a printer of its type. Uh, so many other printers out there kind of follow its form. There's the Prusa, and then there's another a really popular company out there called Ender. They've made the Ender Mark III, and that is kind of a copy of the Prusa. It's a lot cheaper, frankly, and that's also a really good one. And then, dude, freaking Dremel. The guys who make the Dremel, like, tool... Yeah, the little spinning tool. I saw one of theirs. One they time. make their own printers, and so, and freaking Mono Price has printers, yes. and all of those printers kind of sort of copy the Prusa, and some of them have a different design. There's a couple of different designs out there for the type of printer. We'll get into this a little bit later. There's a bunch of different options out there, and I'm gonna say that it's been around long enough that if you're the type of person who is interested in, say, building your own computer, 3D printing is probably for you. If you're the type of person that says, you know, that wants to, like, make your own kites. You know, you don't want to go get the kite kit. You don't want to go get your own balsa wood, cut it to length, assemble an RC plane. You know, you're the type of person who doesn't mind doing little work that involves a little troubleshooting in order to get a big payout at the end. 3D printing is, is in that space right now. I think it won't be too long before it is more consumer level where they've got the controls just so and the filaments are just right and they've got all the pieces just right that dude you could go down to a best buy or a fry's electronics or what have you pick up a printer and just plug and play it it's all calibrated ready to go self-correcting everything you know i don't think we're too far away from that but right now if you get into it you are still going to fiddle with it a bit and if you're like me and can get really frustrated, like you just want to smash stuff, might not be the right time to get in. Right. And I'm not proud to admit this. I destroyed a printer one time. <laughs> like a regular all printer? Office space. Yeah. It, it got all jammed up. It was like this. I was printing out these stickers and they got stuck in it. And I, I just lost my brain. 
Yeah. And I went office space in the garage. I didn't do it like in the yeah. house, but I, in the garage, I went office space on it. Maybe it's not a time for me to have a 3D printer. Right. <laughs> but hey, you know what the cool thing is about you that you and I have talked about is you don't have to own a 3D printer because your local library owns a That's 3D right. printer. And Ooh. they can deal with the BS of care and feeding and That's calibrating right. and making it just so. And you have brought them, That's right? right? I just take them a file on a thumbstick and about 15 viruses and I have them <laughs> do it. And then they call me a week later and say, hey, your thing's ready to pick, pick up. Bring us $5.85. Yeah. Because the PLA is, uh, well, how cheap is the PLA? Right, right. Or yeah. The, so whatever, fat, whatever that other material is. Yeah. So maybe we need to take a step back and mention in the consumer or prosumer pricing bracket, there's a couple of different types of printers, a couple of different technology approaches to 3D printing that are available to us. And what I mean by that is, a printer that's going to cost you less than $1,000 to me is in that, all right, I'm going to invest in this thing. I'm going to get a lot out of it. And, you know, maybe I only spend $100 on a printer for like a really low end printer. Maybe Ooh. I spend $200 to get something that has some nice features to it. But the technologies I'm talking about are under $1,000. There are certainly bigger printers for like industry applications or medical applications like the you know how they say oh so and so's new prosthetic arm was 3d printed right that was probably on an industrial or medical printer not on what i have at my house right and so the, the there's a big change in pricing right and so when i'm talking about prosumer or consumer i'm talking in the hundreds of dollars range the two main types that you run into is SLA or stereolithography. When you first saw 3D printing, SLA was the type. It was like this, I'm sure you remember this, Rich. It's like this, this plate was lifting out of a vat of goo. Ooh, yeah. And there was this like pew, 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 laser shooting through there. Yes. And this thing was emerging from the vat, Did right? Did it make that noise? Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's stereolithography, and that is, I think, one of the oldest, or maybe the oldest, form of 3D printing. And that's still around today. It is not the cheapest, but it is the highest accuracy for, for consumers like us. What I bought was called an FDM printer, or Fused Deposition Modeling. Basically, FDM printers, instead of having a VAT where the item is drawn out of the vat after it's been shot with lasers. Instead, the FDM printer is like a nozzle that, that goes down to a, a plate and extrudes melted plastic onto the plate. Think of like Play-Doh. Yeah. You remember like Play-Doh had the, had the like grinder thing that lets yeah. you like grind the Play-Doh through a thing and then it like spooled at the bottom? Yeah. It's like that. You're, you're extruding this out of the thing and it's, you know, pools at the bottom and the, the nozzle moves around and makes a shape, makes an object. FDM printers are by far the cheapest, by far the most common. And if you get into 3D printing, odds are your first printer is going to be an FDM printer. And by the way, I looked the Dremel up, which is like $600. Yeah. And it's an FDM. Yeah. And by the way... Their third picture on Amazon is someone printing a D20 mother. Boop. <laughs> I'll bet it. I'll bet. How about that? Yeah. The thing about that is 
the plastic for an FDM, and I think this is the reason why it's so popular, is the plastic is pretty cheap. Like a kilogram of plastic costs you maybe $20. Heck, you can find it for $15 from like uh, Monoprice or uh, Amazon, of course, has their own brand of filament. It's called filament, the plastic spool. Micro Center has like this crazy cheap stuff that's like sometimes it's for $12 and it's fine. Like there are different grades, different qualities, and some printers need very finely tuned plastics. Others are more forgiving. Just depends on the printer. For not a lot of money, you can get yourself some objects. Print it up. So, Ryan, um, you want the Prusa model. Just FYI, write that down. Yeah, yeah. Prusa is, I really like it because it has a lot of features. It has self-leveling bed, right? Because remember, you're, you're building an object. Yeah. So the bed needs to be perfectly level, right? Everything involved with the printer needs to be perfectly square, moving back and forth just right. You can't have like, you can't have a snag anywhere because it's going to ruin the whole thing. And Prusa makes a great printer for that. The other thing is the heating. Because you're dealing with melted plastic, it really helps to have the bed as heated. If the bed is hot, then it will hold that plastic model onto the bed longer while it prints. Oh God, because if it comes unattached, your (sighs) thing goes to pot. Dude, yeah, okay, yeah. So, So there are a number of possible problems with printing and fdm printers specifically if the model comes undone or like there's a there's a shift in the model and your nozzle is dropping all this hot plastic right well if that plastic is not actually attaching to anything it's just extruding into the air and there's nothing for it to hold on to then it'll just ball up around the nozzle And this is probably the most dangerous thing about printing on the printer's perspective is that if you're just letting it run overnight and it has detached in that way, you could wake up in the morning with like a giant ball of plastic attached to your printer and then you may have lost parts. There may be parts of the extruder head that have been fused with that melted plastic that you now need to pry apart go remove those parts and get someone else to print up replacements for you or Here's order replacements. Where I go office space. Right. So there can be problems if your bed level isn't just right or the the piece that you're making doesn't stay attached to the bed just right. Definitely when you're first getting started, watch that sucker like a hawk. Have you had that happen? No. Well, I've had things detach and I've had it print into space. You know, where it would have eventually caused a big problem, but I caught it soon enough because I was watching it like a hawk, you know? And once I figured out what I was doing wrong, since then I haven't had any issues. Nice. Was that on your slicer when you were getting things ready? Yeah. So good, good mention there about the slicer. Remember folks, you're printing three dimensional objects. There are lots of places to make your own objects or scan existing objects and have them turned into a 3D file or Thingiverse and a couple other websites. Um, Good old Shapeways. Yes. Not only is that a great site, they do the uh, the printing to order. So yeah. one of the things that I think is really great about them for someone like me is you can say, oh, I like that set of dice. Please print those for me. Right. And then they show up done and you can pick the level of awesomeness you would like. 
You can right. pick certain uh, filaments. You can pick certain machines. Now you're going to pay more mm-hmm. for the better machines and the better filament. But guess what? It looks incredible. Right. So I go to Thingiverse and Shapeways a lot to get the object files. And the deal is, is that Thingiverse is a known free site. Most everything there is free. You can tip certain makers, certain uh, certain designers, that kind of thing. But Shapeways, if you have an account there, and specifically around like Dungeons and Dragons models and that kind of thing, a whole bunch of those are for free if you have an account. Now, there's been a bunch of spinoff. Uh, places like Drive Through RPG, people have gone on there and they they list their 3D object files for no. sale on Drive Through RPG. Oh my gosh! So like, there's all kinds of gamer specific communities now that make 3D objects, uh, the object files themselves, and then you can go and download them either for free or find a Kickstarter and get you know a bunch of them as a Kickstarter or something like that. And uh, once you have those files, you take them and put them into a slicer. And the slicer is a program that reads the file, knows what that object is going to look like at the end, and you tell the slicer, look, I need to manipulate the object a little bit ahead of time. Maybe reposition it, put it on its back, or what have you. And then, when I'm ready, I have it just so, I have everything ready to go, I tell the slicer, prep this for print. And the slicer knows about my printer, knows what kind of printer I have, knows the size of printer I have, so the volume that it can make, will it fit in that thing? Um, And it basically writes the instruction set that my printer is going to use in a second to go and print. And so, and that slicer is really cool because I can actually print lots of objects at once. Like, let's say I want to print all the minis for my new campaign. Well, I go out and get minis, right, from either Thingiverse or Shapeways, or I could go to heroforge.com. They make custom minis. They also have a mini designer shop where I can make my own character wow. in Heroforge. Cost me 10 bucks, and I can have a guy with a short sword and like a fancy hair and a big cloak, or I don't want the cloak, I want him on a horse. Whatever I want, I go through all my design stuff in HeroForge, design up my guy, and then, boom, I have the file. I can go print. I do that for my entire campaign. Every player at my table now has a custom mini. You know, really, can you make minis with your 3D printer? And I think that answer from some of your giveaways and also from um, obviously what I'm seeing professionally, but even as a home hobbyist, that answer is yes. Yeah. You have no problems kinking it, cranking out minis, but is there a level of mini that goes really well and a level of mini that goes really bad? Yeah, so this is the this is the rub. Yes, there is a difference. My FDM printer, I have dialed it in and I've gotten very good results. There's a guy out there on YouTube, I'll link to him in the show notes, but he has a whole YouTube series on how to use the Ender 3 which I talked about earlier is one of the popular 3D printers. He's got a bunch of videos on how to dial in the Ender 3 to make really high-quality minis for the printer. And folks, when I say he's making high-quality mini, they look dang good. And the plastic he spends on that mini, five cents. You know? So 
And so that looks really good. Now, that took a lot of effort because you had to sit there and dial it in, get everything just right. I've spent a lot of effort on getting my my smaller minis, my, uh, you know, human-sized and elf-sized minis just so. And even I still have more to go on perfecting this. The I just want to say the photon printers or the SLA printers I talked about earlier that mm-hmm. has the laser with the vat of goo, those are higher quality printers. They're a little bit more expensive by default, but those printers can make incredibly detailed minis without having to massage them quite as much. So if your focus is, I want to make Dungeons & Dragons minis, and they have to be the medium-sized creatures and smaller, you might want to go straight to the VAT one, the SLA. You may just want to make that leap. If that's all you're going to print, you might be looking straight at the Photon. And I said Photon earlier. That's actually a type of printer. It's, I think it's the one of the cheaper ones. It's like 400 bucks or something like that for the VAT ones. And like I said, they're a little bit more expensive, right? Because for 200 I could get an Ender 3. And then I go and research this guy's YouTube page, right. and I get dialed in pretty quick. So it just depends. Just depends on how you want to go, where you want to be. For large creatures and above, dude, my FDM printer's great. Like, Excellent. I made that that purple worm. It took me some experimentation, but I got the purple worm printed up. Great. I got gray renders printed. I can print dragons. I can print all the big monsters because the FDM is really good at larger things. So when you get to that sub three inches or, you know, yeah. that idea of a, of a fighter mini, that's where you're finding your limitations at. If you're making an owlbear, if you're making oh, yeah. the gray render, if you're making something that has, you know, it's double the size of a, of a, of a regular mini, you're in your, your coasting. Great shape. The reason why the smaller objects tend to struggle on the FDMs is because a guy's sword or a skinny leg or, you know, uh, uh, what, what happens is like somebody's carrying a bow. Those objects end up being very thin on a medium-sized creature. Oh. And it's very easy for those to get snapped off. When, you're, when you print the object, you have the object, but around that object, you may have a number of supports, which are just extra plastic you print in order to support this 3D object that you're printing. Because remember, you're laying plastic down. Gravity says plastic should go to the bottom. Right. And so you might have to have a support structure, a little scaffolding that comes up along with the object to support that plastic at the time of printing. Later on, you're going to remove those supports just with like a pair of pliers or something like that. And those supports are kind of the same thickness as like a bow or like somebody's tail. And so it's very easy to while you're removing the supports, accidentally break somebody's bow or break um, their, their wizard staff, you know? So it's not, the, it's not the height of the object or even the guy's torso and head. It's, it's the small stuff that they're holding. That's the be- those are the bits that can, be strugg- that can struggle for the FDM. And the uh, medium and large creatures, they have all big stuff. So it's all super thick and, you know, you don't worry about the supports breaking off those pieces. Yes. You know, when I was reading the subreddits on after Gen Con last year, they had this really neat thing right outside True Dungeon. You could sit down, they would scan your head. Yes. And then they would put you on a mini and you could order this mini and you'd get it at home. And people, um, you know, we're, we're, we're being challenged and not, not a completely happy with their received product because guess what it was full of? 
supports. Yes. And it just reminded me of back in my old tester model days when you had the little fancy clippers. Yep. And you would take the, you know, off the, you would, what is it, a spruce? You know what I yeah. mean? You would get the the thing of plastic parts and you would have to trim all the pieces you were going to build and then sand them a little bit to get rid of the little bump from where the spruce was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's still around. <laughs> the yeah, whole idea I, is still there that you got to put a little craftsmanship into it. And you're absolutely right. A little, you know, a small pair of uh, cutters, a little sanding, you know, goes a long way to correct for the various little things that can come up but all the while you have to kind of worry about how are my supports going to go and that's where that slicer bit i talked about earlier is really important because you can take that slicer and you know maybe lay your model on his back so Mm. all the supports are on the back not between the hands and the arms and the floor so you're not risking losing an arm instead you're just taking some supports off the back where it doesn't matter as much right so there's definitely some time spent that I've spent taking my model saying, okay, if I do it straight up and down, what's that going to look like as it prints? Oh man, there's supports all over, you know, between the, between his hands and his face. Oh, that's going to be tough to remove. So instead I'm going to change the angle, lay him down, put him on his back, put him on his head, do whatever I need to in order to reduce the number of supports or make it so the supports are in a place I don't care so much about. And I'd pick on the back a lot because, you know, most of these guys are wearing capes. You know, they've got cowls or whatever. They've got, right. the, uh, you know, they've got this big, this big thing that is very easy to remove supports from that's not high detail. Now, I will say that slicing technology has improved many times since even I started. Wow. When I started, it was these like, they really did look like scaffolding. They were like straight up and down plastic walls that went straight up the model and now they have tree and blade scaffolding so instead of it being this like wall that's going up and down it looks like this tree shape that branches out and and reaches out and just has little targeted points of contact to your model much easier to remove and the and the blade one is really cool because instead of it being this back and forth scaffolding it makes like this wing that's that's pretty thick at the base, so it's very supported. But when it gets closer to the model, it thins. And so at the model, it's very, very lightly contacting, but supporting everything it needs to support. And at the end, you just take a pair of pliers or something like that and just snap the whole thing off. And it comes off much cleaner than the supports I was struggling with in the very beginning. So like I talk about the supports being a problem, but if you're working with updated slicers, you'll end up with, you know, a much better sol- solve to this problem. Now, I, still, to this day, the laser-based, the SLA-based printers are still higher quality out the gate, still finer detail for those medium-sized creatures. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, tell someone, oh, go buy an FDM printer and you're going to be great. No, 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 no. You still have to massage this. You still have to work at it if you want high detail. Now, where FDM shines is terrain. Oh, okay. That kind of moves into the idea of, you know, we played that 3D um, D&D over at yes. Origins last yes. year that did get to Gen Con, uh, Slippery Frog or whatever that gentleman's name is. He had all the AD&D terrain from 
and AD&D minis from the, the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So he had the Mimic, and he had all these other things. And, wow, what if you don't have access to those? Are those right. models everywhere? Right, right. And and I don't know that those models are everywhere, but there are equivalents. And there's a whole free 3D... Yes, equivalents is a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a whole three, uh, sorry, free 3D terrain shop out there it's all on thingiverse what? and there's a bunch of really nice uh, higher end paid ones that you can get from like i'll link to a couple of them but um uh, fat dragon games makes a model set that's really good for terrain Th the cool thing about terrain is you know it's larger so your fdm printer does a great job at that and dude you print up a house right you get this really cool story thing because you printed up this house, the whole house, all of it printed, eh, a dollar, maybe, maybe a dollar. Wow. So when your players say, I, you know, light the thing and it blows up this chunk of the house, you can say, cool, one second, guys, go get your snips or your pliers and just rip open that wall. Right. <laughs> and put it back on the table. How dramatic is that? That you you don't worry about destroying things in your game on the board because you spent a dollar on this. You spent okay. you spent ten cents on this thing. OCD Rich wants to print it to where the wall comes off so okay. I can reuse it again. So I spend two dollars. Okay. That's yeah. fine. Okay. You can do that, dude. Like you can go into 3D printing software and say, you know what? I want to make a seam. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut a little seam in this whole thing because I think my my players may light the gunpowder here. And so I'm going to cut a little seam and print it as two separate objects. But because I cut one out of the other, they fit just right. Yes. And then your players, oh, I do the thing. You're like, ha, 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 I'm going to pull the thing out. And then, oh, the seam is there. Or like a tree. You know, you can have 3D printed trees and you say, oh, they might, they might decide to knock over some trees. Tell you what, I'm going to also print up some knocked over trees, you know, so that they can have the tree up. And then uh, if they tell me they knock it over, I can uh, knock that one over, you know, and then the scatter and scatter is like tables, chairs, crates, little potions, all that stuff. Super easy to print all of that. Wow. And dude, I love that because I've got the terrain, I've got the minis. But you need some furniture. You need some stuff, right? Ooh, what about AOE? Oh, yeah. Dude, you could oh, yeah. print some of those up. Oh, yeah. That even have like some custom, um, an area of effect is what I'm saying for every dear The listener. template. You're if talking you wonder about like, what AOE is, yeah. it would be an area of effect. So let's say you cast a smoke spell. You could have a template that is then thrown down on the map, and mm -hmm. it's an outside ring. And everything in it is affected. Mm -hmm. And that would be really neat too. Dude. Um, especially for a lot of custom ideas like that. Dude, people have gone all the way to putting little rings for your mini that will designate different effects like sleep or stunned or on fire. Oh. And it's just a little ring and it says the effect on the outside. You can oh. do a real quick spray paint to make it the right color. And then, oh, all these people are on fire. I've got... I've got 18 or five or whatever, these little fire effect rings. I put them out on the table, put the minis in them. Now all of those characters are on fire. Okay. And it looks so good. Let's on, let's talk about time because obviously, you know, I can draw that Venn diagram, right? That 
things cost a lot, but don't take a lot of time. Things are inexpensive, but take more time. Right. So let's say, let's start with the idea of something like a, um, an owlbear, like a double mini size, right? Sure. What kind of print time is that? So, all right. There are things that you can do to make it take longer, but for a medium to large size creature, you're looking at somewhere between an hour and a half to four hours. Oh, okay. So not overnight. You can do all this in the afternoon, set it up, start playing a board game with some friends. It's over there in the corner because you don't mind all the PLA fumes and everybody can get cancer. And then if it messes up, you can see it. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to set it and leave it for like 12 hours. Most of these minis are, minis are printed hollow, right? That would make sense. Yeah. They're mostly hollow with a little bit of support structure inside. If you want it very thick, because maybe you anticipate it, uh, facing some abuse or something like that, you know, it's going to be roughly handled. Then if you fill it in with a bunch of plastic, that is going to take more time. Um... And there are people out there that advocate doing 100% fill inside their minis which creates a very stable mini that is going to look pretty good because there's no you know it's it's just it just takes the time to do it those minis they take a day you know if you want to take a day on a medium-sized creature you can you don't have to but you can and there's a couple of things you can do to up the resolution because remember i'm laying down layers of plastic one layer at a time well that layer could be, you know, one millimeter or 0.1 millimeters thick. Okay. It could be 0.05 millimeters thick. So it could be really small, each layer. High resolution, but I'm doing that same motion over and over and over. I think all my minis would be layers. Yeah. (laughs) Because I would be like, uh, how about two millimeters thick at a time right so it goes fast right and so so this is the deal right is that you have a, you have a question of how much resolution do i want how much time do i want to spend how much plastic do i want to spend on this thing you can right. fiddle all those knobs and end up with you know some very good prints that don't take a long time or great prints that take more time and there are guys out there that have awesome inf- input on all of these things here's the here's the deal if you haven't bought a printer yet awesome if you're interested in buying a printer here's my biggest piece of advice before you buy your printer go and join the community that supports that printer oh because the community is going to be your first line of inf- of information about your printer you know, you're not going to call up tech support. You're going to go to the community and say, I have this problem. What's going on? I've joined subreddits. I've joined Facebook groups. I've joined website forums. I've joined all kinds of different communities for all kinds of different printers. Knowing how helpful they are before you buy should be part of your decision-making process. And so I found the Prusa guys, the official Facebook group was garbage. The unofficial Prusa support group was awesome. Nice. It's run by a fan. He moderates it super well. I go there. It is great. The Ender forums, pretty dang good. And there's this uh, tabletop minis printer guy that's on YouTube and on Kickstarter and all this kind of stuff. And he has a really good Facebook group and subreddit and YouTube site. You know, So there's a couple of these places. You want to go and look at the community 
before you look into these printers. You know, high level for a gamer, thinking about if I get a 3D printer, what all could I do with that? Sure, terrain for, you know, Warhammer or all your combat games, awesome. Think about print and play, right? Today, there's print and play games where you get the rule set and you go to your printer and you print out a bunch of pieces of paper and you cut those pieces of paper and that's all your little tokens and all that kind of stuff. Nah, print and play in the future can be you print parts of this castle thing that makes up the board for the board game. Print and play becomes a whole new thing. And there's this, um, there's a couple of sites that have print and play for 3D printer games. I, as a game maker, don't have to manufacture anything. I've just made the 3D object files and the rule set, and I sell that to you, and you go off and make this game that is great. Yep. And it's a quicker to market. So you want to make a mini. You want it to last a little bit longer than normal. We just talked about doing a fill 100%. Yep. What about the idea of treatments? You mentioned just kind of spray painting it the color you want. Is there a, is there a certain uh, material people can use to finish or seal their model for extended life? Or is sure. it literally spray paint it gray and paint it? This is normal plastic. You know, 3D printers like the one I have, the, the, F, the FTM printer, I print a lot in PLA, which is a very common type of plastic. You can, you can prime that. You can paint that just like, uh, just like other plastics. The type of models you buy for like Warhammer and all those other games, that's all ABS plastic. Well, ABS plastic is another thing I can print. So I can print the exact same type of plastic that is used in all these other places. I can use all their same paints, all their same everything, all their same sealants. I can use that on PLA plastic and ABS plastic. And um, the other one that's very common is PETG. All of these plastics take paint and sealants very well. All of the things that you're used to using for plastic minis from manufacturers, you can use on a 3D printer. Now, have you started, you know, you mentioned the slicer. What other software pieces are part of your solution? And, and did they all come with your printer? Are they all open source? Did you yeah. spend a couple hundred bucks just on software? No. Nope. How did that happen? Yeah, so the software came with a printer. My printer came with software. There's other, there's about three or four pretty popular slicer programs that are all free. And some work with other, you know, they're paired with certain printers. Like my printer works really well with a, with a specific slicer. Whatever printer you get is going to work with one or two slicers. Ah. And so you kind of pick the one that's right for your printer. Other than that, the other thing you might be looking at is a 3D modeling either program that you can get for free because you're not a business and you have to tell them that. Otherwise, they'll want to charge you a license. Uh, or a there's a really good program that I use called Mesh Mixer that allows you to manipulate an existing object. So it's not creating objects. It's manipulating objects. Mm -hmm. I use Mesh Mixer all the time. And that's really good at correcting a couple of things and helping me manipulate the object before I send it on to the slicer, um, which the slicer can do some manipulation, but not quite to the same degree as mesh, mi mesh Mixer. And Mesh Mixer is an Adobe product. It's free. It's you know pretty lightweight. And there's a bunch of YouTube videos on how to use it. So those are really the big three is something to make objects if you're into making objects. Oh, and you don't even need to be. No, no, no. You can download almost everything you need, right? Those are the three programs. You can get all of them for free. Some of the making stuff can be done on websites. There's websites that allow you to just make 3D objects. And those 3D objects are print ready. 
And in the second episode, we'll be talking about that. I'll be talking about specific programs I use, specific things that I have in order to 3D print. So there's all kinds of things out there that you may need, and we'll we'll get into those probably in the next episode, talking about those those bits and, and my workflow for printing something. But yeah, I, I really see this as a technology that is here for an enthusiast, and it's coming for the casual. I, th- I think casual printing is still a couple of years out, but for an enthusiast who can sink their teeth into something, gosh, this is this is such a cheaper way to make things. You know... And, and, and you can make whatever you need, and you can destroy it because you don't care because it was cheap. You know, like, that's the big thing for me, is that as a DM, I can make something that is going to have a short life, and that's okay. And I can, like, make the table more dramatic... Because I'm willing to destroy this thing that I made because I didn't actually invest a lot of money in the creation of it. Why do I have an imagination? In my mind right now, I just see one of your players going, I cast Fireball. And you go, all right. And you bust out the lighter fluid and you just burn the mini down. Dude, it's not even that. ABS plastic, right? ABS plastic, which you can print with, melts in acetone. Oh, well, that's fingernail polish. I mean, that's fingernail polish remover. Yes. Yeah, fingernail polish remover. Yeah. So it's, all right, I, I do acid on this thing. Oh. You can take a little Q-tip, a tiny Q-tip, and just and just swab it with acid. And you'll see the mini, like, oh my like deform. That is dramatic. That is dramatic at the table. And it's awesome because you spent two cents on this right. thing. And you got to have this really cool effect at the table because of this. It's just neat. It's just really cool what you can achieve uh, with this stuff. And I, I, I'm i a huge fan. I want to do more 3D printing. We gave away some objects for for, yes, uh, for the show. We gave away a, a gray render to Brent for his, uh, his iTunes reviews. Thank you, Brent. We gave away a purple worm, a giant purple worm to Hugo for we did a contest on mentioning us on social media to whatever communities you're in and uh hugo the guys from death die club they won that one i notice uh we're both wearing our death die club shirts yes. today while recording yes kind of crazy yes oh man i like their little polo dude that's we need to get nice. we need to get ourselves some polos we got to step up our game that's right that's right 2020 <laughs> <laughs> hsg polos baby next episode i want to talk more about the bits and the process and then I want to do a third episode, at least a third episode, talking about how to build your own printer. Because I bought a ready-made printer. But you can totally do the whole build your own computer, but instead you're building your own printer. Oh, my uh, God. I think we're going to have to Twitch stream me building a 3D printer. Oh, my God. This would be days. It would be days of watching you break parts. things. <laughs> and I would just be yelling out, Every time I had a problem, <laughs> Jin Yang, it would just be a mess. You know, I, I think one thing that I, that it, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up that I think of about this, we talked a lot about D&D and minis and making environments, but in the past three, four years, as I've gone to play, um, you know, Indie Alley or, you know, Designer Alley or Designer Dungeon, all their bits that they bring to play with are 3D printed. And I'm going to say 90% of them are printing off 
their own little models for their yes. game to, to test with. And they mentioned these are 3D printed. They, they're not hard. They're, they're not lasting right. because they don't take the abuse that maybe injection molding can, right. can create. But we're playing their games not with like a piece of paper representing a meeple. Right. We're playing with their version that they they either paid Shapeways or they had a friend. And actually, I've talked to a few of them. They have friends. That's a really good point. That is, I think, the final part about 3D printing and its ability to change the gaming market oh, yeah. is, that, is that it gives developers, game makers, a tool to fast prototype fast make something that they can then take to the community and say look at this thing it already looks pretty cool 3d printed imagine it factory made with injected molding and all that kind of stuff as a, as a as a larger process you know it's just dude it's just damn cool and i just think that this technology is opening so many doors for Makers of all kinds, you know, game makers and and folks like us that make games, you know, or not make games, but we make uh, role-playing campaigns, you know, dungeon masters making campaigns for their friends. There's just so much that this could enable and so many cool moments that this could create that I think it's a, I think this is definitely something we've needed to talk about. And I'm glad that we're finally making some time in our schedule to talk about 3D printing. Well, you're definitely very passionate about it and have made some incredible things off your printer. I will say the first thing I 3D printed at the library was a, a chit holder for X-Wing. Yeah, a little insert for your oh. board game. Or, or it was just you put all the little chits and you, you brought this little box with you whenever you went to play. And it had all the bits in it, kind of like the old poker chip holder, you know yeah. what I mean? But it had yeah. all your stuff ready to go. Someone designed it. They had it on Thingiverse. It was free. I just had to pay to have it printed. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. And, and the other great thing about these things is they don't use a lot of juice. They're effectively a 60-watt light bulb. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. The initial investment is a, is a lot. You know, like, no lie. You know, a couple hundred bucks is a lot. But once you're through that, and you've learned how to use it, then you're making things without spending a lot of money. And if you don't want to go through that learning process, find a library. You know, yeah. like they have or, these or things. Or a makerspace. I yeah. bet you there's lots of makerspaces that, that'll um, gladly be part of this. Interesting. Um, yeah, this is a little bit of an off topic, I guess, in the idea of, you know, it's not a board game or a role-playing game. But, right. man, it's very influential in the gaming industry. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we took some time on this one. Folks, if you have more questions about 3D printing, send those in. We're going to be working on the next episode uh, after this. Ryan had sent us a bunch of questions. We have more of his questions to answer for sure. And I've got some other ideas, some other topics in this space I want to talk about. We're going to be doing all of that. So give us your feedback, give us your questions, and uh, we will get to all of them because I think that this is a really cool moment in the gaming industry. And I think that there's a lot that we can un unwrap here and, 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 and talk about. And post your pictures of your 3D printers on High Shelf Gaming Facebook page. Yes. Yes. I love to see the 3D printers. Absolutely. All right. Well, everyone who's been listening, as always, have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. 
Most importantly though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. We have begun recording. That sounded like you said we're big gun recording. We are big gun we're recording. Big gun recording. <laughs> that sounds like the uh, name of a of a porn producing, you know. Uh, big gun recording. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> High shelf gaming. That's what she said. That's what's gonna happen. We have to hop on this right now. Dude, when I start my Safer Work Pornhub channel... I thought you already had it. That's that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Big gun <laughs> recordings. <laughs> Everybody will be sitting there thinking, oh, I can't wait it comes next. And then it's me going, hi, welcome to playing Call to Adventure. <laughs> this is a choose-your-own-adventure card game based on Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> there we go. Today I'm playing as a... Fighter. Bard. All right. <laughs> bard, yeah, bard. I have a shuffles, shuffles, loot. <laughs> <laughs> and a masterwork dagger.